0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are kicking off our new series, The X Factor. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. We like to keep things interesting. Never know exactly what to expect. Well, I love that song. And one of the reasons that I love that song is because you can't hold back singing that song. You've got to go all in. I mean, you've got to go all in. You can't hit those notes with trying to be passive and, and hold back. I and mean, that song is over the top and you got to go there to sing it you got to go over the top you know, Christmas is kind of over the top when you think about it think about what God did and Jesus and those things that is completely incredible we're, we're celebrating that through this series called X Factor. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world does X-Factor mean? Well, there's a little show on Fox right now. Uh, I think it's kind of the main person on there is Simon Cowell, used to do American Idol. Well, X-Factor is a show that, uh, kind of Reader's Digest version, they're looking for the next pop star. And the way they kind of approach this is they say that there is this special something that makes a person from, you know, kind of regular uh, performer to a star, there's, there's what they call the X factor. It's that it factor, that that special something, that unique characteristic that you can't really put your finger on it, but when you see it, you know what it is. It's that X factor. And so this Christmas, we're kind of asking the question, what is the X factor that takes a day on the calendar and makes it Christmas. You know when you start hearing the songs on the radio and you start playing in your home. Some of you do that in September and you're weird. Put your Christmas decorations out before Halloween. You're laughing because you do it. And you're implicated right now. And that's just bizarre, but you know, there is the special something about Christmas. You can't you really put your finger on it. It's just the, this, this atmosphere that you experience that makes your heart kind of jump in your chest. It makes children sing. It makes families get together and celebrate, even if you don't like them. You know, like your family, but come Christmas time, don't we'll put that aside to get together and celebrate Christmas. Well, what is that special something? That's what we're going to talk about for the next four times that we get together. Before we read our scripture this morning, let me encourage you uh, to invite someone the next three weeks. Bring someone with you. Okay, this is going. To, I am super uh, pumped and excited about this series. Not because we've got special decorations or uh, because we're doing extra things, but because we're talking all about Jesus for the next three weeks, today and the next three weeks, and especially on Christmas Eve. Now, I know you've probably got plans, and I know that you're already calculating the time you need to put stuff in the oven if you need that on Christmas Eve. You've got travel plans. Let me encourage you, please, please, please make a time slot between three and four. We're not going to keep you here long. Uh, we're not going to take your whole day, but between three and four, let's gather together on Christmas Eve. Bring somebody with you. We're going to unashamedly present the gospel of Jesus Christ because we believe uh, really there's only one better day in the whole calendar to give your life to Jesus, and that would be Easter and then Christmas Eve. And so we're just believing that God is going to uh, bring people to himself. So bring your friends and family that person from out of town to stay with you. We'll give you an hour break from entertaining you have your Bible, open it up to 1 John chapter 3. Now this isn't your typical Christmas series, so we're not going to read your typical Christmas passages. You may hit those along the way, but we're going to look today at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If you're following along, if you have a smartphone or a tablet with you, you can do the YouVersion app. Uh, click live and search for vertical and you'll find the notes and the scripture passages there. If you have your uh, paper Bible, then uh, flip with us to 1 John chapter 3. Let's jump into this. Verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your presence and your spirit that has been here this morning. And God, our request for the remainder of our time together is let us see Jesus. Let us see Jesus in this auditorium this morning. Because we know, God, if we can just see Jesus, then our lives will never be the same. If we can just see Jesus for who He is and what He did for us and what He's doing in us, we will never be the same. If we can just see Jesus... He would appear to us this morning. We will be more like him than when we came. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I grew up, as most of you probably know, because I talk about it just about every week, in West Virginia. And uh, My mom and dad were married until I was 18, almost 18, uh, right close to my 18th birthday. Um, they, they separated. My dad... Was kind of your typical uh, man's man southern West Virginia could fix any kind of car uh, and could kill any kind of man on it. I mean, he he passed none of that along to me. I know nothing about cars. We pop the hood on the car, I'll look at it and tell you if it's clean or not. And that's about that's about all I got. Uh, I can I could change a tire, uh I could try to claim that I know what I'm doing with spark plugs because I watched somebody do it, but that's all I've got. But my dad was was awesome with that stuff. I mean, he owned his own business. He was a, a trucker guy. I mean, he he had coal trucks, and eventually those coal trucks became sand and gravel trucks and and uh, cement trucks, and he was not only the owner but the mechanic, and he would work on those things uh, in his garage and. I mean, he could just just about do anything with an automobile. Not only that, but my dad had this personality where he would not settle, really, for anything less than the best. Now, we were not wealthy by any means. We were pretty poor for most of my childhood. We started doing better when I got in my teenage years. But even as a struggling business owner in southern West Virginia, trying to not only run a business but work on the trucks, my dad had this attitude that the best was, was the only option. And if he couldn't afford the best, he would save up for the best. Because in his mind, there was no use buying something less than the best and having to replace it. That if you bought the best, it was going to last you longer and eventually save you money over the long haul. I remember uh, when I was 13. Uh, we bought a living room suit um, for our for our house to replace the one uh, that I believe was about 25 years old, um, which is, was actually in better condition. And we got the new one, and we always wished we had the old one because it was more comfortable and better and the seat sat better. Because why? Because it was the best. In 1971, it was the best you could buy absolutely, unequivocally the best. I don't know when they bought it. It, was, it looked like it came from the late 60s or early 70s. And that's why we replaced it. But I remember one Christmas, uh, not only stuff like that, for his trucks or anything, he'd always buy the best. And one Christmas, I just started learning to play the guitar. Now, I'm not a guitar player at all. I can strum a few chords. Um, literally, the reason I learned how to play guitar was to... Play phrase and worship music. I know that's not very ambitious. I never dreamed of being a rock star, never dreamed of being a musician. What ultimately amounted to two things one, I was asking God to bless me with someone who had blessed my life and blessed me with a uh, companion who was musically talented. I think he did okay on that. Um, <laughs> but when I said that, when I was praying, God said, well, We need to try to do something. I said, Well, I can try to play. And then, like six months later, I like, oh, Awesome. God's time is perfect. Um, but also, I wanted to, to be in a place where, if I needed to, um, then I could jump in and strum out a few praise and worship songs. If I was called upon, if I was around, if I was at a retreat, I could take a guitar and at least we could sing some songs. Well, my dad decided he was going to buy me to the store. Uh, it wasn't. A, there's not a music store in Logan. There's like a music basement. Um, I think, I, I'm not even sure what the store sold, but in the basement they had a bunch of guitars. And we picked out a guitar, and it was decent. Uh, it was a good guitar. I was completely satisfied, completely excited. And we're leaving the, the basement. Right to walk I'm carrying, I'm holding the guitar in my hand. And my dad sees this other guitar on the wall. Now the guitar I've got in my hand was just a couple hundred dollars. The guitar on the wall was a little over two thousand dollars. Okay, this is an expensive instrument for a joker like me. That is completely useless. This thing does, does stuff that I wouldn't even comprehend. Okay, my dad's about to walk out and he sees this guitar and he asks me, "He is that a better, guitar? Probably. He's got better pickups. It's got uh, better equipment on it, uh, probably, yeah, probably, I mean, probably yeah, it's a better guitar, but, Dad, yeah, I'm just learning to play the guitar. I don't need something that expensive. My dad doesn't think a second thing about it. He looks at the cell and says, take that one off the wall, put it in a box, take it upstairs. Why? Because my dad had this idea that only the best was going to be sufficient. Now, why in the world would somebody... Go that overboard for a guitar. Love. Love. Because love will make you do overboard, over the top, crazy things. Some of you in the auditorium have a spouse. And I would wager that if you pursued that spouse, that in that pursuit you did some crazy things to try to get her attention, or her affection, or his attention. I mean, shoot, when I was dating Hope, um, you know, we wanted to go on dates, but I was a college kid, and you know what it's like to be a college kid, maybe, maybe you don't, I'm eating the noodles every night. You don't have any money going to go on a date. So what do you do when you don't have any money, and you're trying to impress this girl to go on a date with me? You? you donate plasma. <laughs> right? been there? You lay in a, you lay in a chair with a needle stuck up your arm for like 40 minutes, and they're taking blood and stripping it and shooting it back into you. Why? Because I'm in love. I wanted to do something absolutely insane and crazy so I can have 40 bucks to go on a date. Well, you know, things worked out. We got engaged, and now I'm not just trying to pay for the date, but I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to finance a Seven-day date, a honeymoon. So what do I do? I work my tail off at a fireworks store. There's one time. There's like a series of three days. I guarantee you, I worked about 19 straight hours each of those days. Why? So I was in love, and I was willing to do whatever it took to go above and beyond and go overboard for this girl that I was crazy about. Because love makes like, you do crazy things. Those of you who think it's really cool to work in a fireworks store, it's not. And some of the teenagers are thinking, man, hey, that would be an awesome job. Let me tell you, you spend 19 hours, and somebody says, what does this one do? Well, it goes up in the air, explodes, makes colors. What does this one do? Well, it shoots up in the air, explodes, makes colors. What does this one do? Well, it shoots up in the air, explodes, and it makes colors, man, they all do the same. Different colors, they go up, boom. Colors. Many got any M80s? They're not the M80s that have been illegal for 20 years. We had some, much. this some of them, but they're not. not so let me tell you 19 straight hours of answering questions like that will make you be crazy unless you're doing it for a reason. It's love will make you do crazy things. I love this passage of scripture that we read about. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. What great love. You see, Christmas, the first X factor, if you want to take Christmas from a day on the calendar to Christmas, you've got to understand extravagance. Extravagance. Christmas is is all about extravagance. And I'm not talking about shopping and malls and gifts and ham and red velvet cake and pies and candy and some of y'all get hungry right now and shut up on the moon. I'm not talking about that. Although that is part of the season, the extravagance of the season. What I'm talking about today though is to take Christmas from a day on the calendar to Christmas You have to understand that there was an extravagant gift of an extravagant love poured out for you and me that we might know and be children of God. That's what John is saying here in chapter three. He says, see what great love Going to go there. It's not going to be on the screens. You just have to follow along. If you have a Bible, great. Right? If not, I'll read it. Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. Paul is kind of caught up in the same thing that John is caught up in. He's been spending chapter and chapter just kind of talking about the experience of the gospel. And he gets to this point in chapter 8, verse 31. He says, What then shall we say in response to these things? He says, Look, look around. What are we going to say in response to what God has done for us? What are these things? Let's, let's actually jump back. Verse 28. And we, could, we could read all of chapter 8 talking about there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life is set and free. There's this freedom to be experienced not controlled by our sinful nature, but are in the spirit if the spirit of God lives in you. Verse 28, he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we would look like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified Paul gets to this point and he's saying what do we do with this what is our response how do we handle this what has God done God has gone over the top extravagantly poured out his love for us what shall we say and he says if God is for us who can be against us this is all we can say This is it. We're we're looking at what God has done for us. We're looking at the gift that he has given us. And what are we going to say? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God has done this, if God has poured out this kind of extravagant love, if God has lavished his presence on us, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Then he goes... Into verse thirty-two, and he says, "He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things?" It's this is this is the logic of heaven. This is what Paul's hitting on. He's saying, "Look, look, look, look! There's this incredibly incomprehensible thing that God did." God can do that, who's to stop him from blessing our life with all good things? You see, God has done the impossible, great thing. God, is, God has already given up his son for us. He didn't spare him. So if God wouldn't spare his own son, but he would give him to us, then the rest is a breeze, Think about this. Jesus was not a man that God just one day. It's not like, not like God is just kind of looking out of heaven over the earth and saying, oh, there's a guy. I think I'll use him to change the world. You, pick you right there. It's not how it happened. Jesus is not just a man. He is the ever-existing image of God. Of the fullness of God, Hebrews puts it this way. If you haven't read Hebrews, matter of fact, if you haven't read Hebrews, we're going to the passage I'm going to read. is let you use a little bit inside. Uh, I think it's like March. We're going to just stay in this one passage for like four weeks. It's going to be awesome. Hebrews chapter one. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. When you look at Jesus, you see God. And if God... Would not spare his own son, who is the exact representation of his being. What's to stop him from giving us all things? What's to prevent him from extravagantly blessing our life with all good things? He's already given the most precious thing not like Jesus is unloved by God. We're talking about the only begotten beloved son. In The gospel of God shows up and an audible voice is heard when Jesus is there and the voice says, this is my beloved son. My beloved son. I've got my boy my sitting right there. Oldest boy sitting right here. I got another one in the nursery. If you're wondering why he's sitting out, he always asks, I import the videos, and he always asks, hey, is, that, is that you? Is that you? Yeah, come on in one day. Here. If you've got a kid, if you've got a son, if you've got two, let me tell you, there's something unique and special about a father's love for his son. I'm not saying it's better than a mother and a daughter, or a father and a daughter, or a mother and a son just say it's different. It's unique. All of those are unique, okay? not bashing anybody any There's something special about a father and a son. Just something unique and different. And if God, if God could, could overcome his cherishing, admiring, treasuring, white hot? affectionate bond that he has with his son, and if God could deliver him over to be lied about and betrayed and abandoned and spit upon and crucified and laughed at, Salvation, then he'll overcome every obstacle that you face. That's right. yeah. You see, this is the final fulfillment of Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. This is no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is the promise of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, that all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. This is the promise of Ephesians chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is the securing of the words of Jesus Christ himself. When he said, do not be anxious, Say what shall we eat or what shall we wear or what shall we drink? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You see, God is an extravagant God. And Christmas is a time where we think about the extravagant gift of God. Friend, if you're sitting here and you haven't experienced the extravagance of God, it's not because he's unwilling. He is ready and able to lavish his love on your life. See, God doesn't just want us to see his love for us, but he wants this love To have an effect on us. Jump back to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 2 says, "But But we know that when Christ appears. Now, in the context of this passage, and most scholars would tell you that this is primarily talking about the future. That when Jesus returns, when Jesus comes back, when Jesus makes his second appearance, on the planet. But I'm convinced that that this not only has a future reading, but it has a present time reading. Because I believe that it's not just saying that when Christ appears off sometime in the distant future. So it's saying when Christ is revealed. When when you See Jesus. Over the last four weeks we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's chief role is to reveal Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Points to Jesus, reveals Jesus. Reveals Jesus. When Jesus is revealed, John says, We shall be like him. For we shall see him as is this Christmas we need to see Jesus we need the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us because anytime we see Jesus anytime our eyes lay hold of Jesus Christ we become more like him God wants to bless us extravagantly because he is an extravagant God he goes over the top He goes beyond anything you can imagine. Nothing will ever stop him from being extravagant in your life. But he also wants us to be like him. And that means being extravagant ourselves. God wants to bless us extravagantly, but he also wants us to bless others extravagantly. To be extravagant. Givers, to be extravagant worshipers, to be extravagant followers of Christ, to be extravagant in our life. And just in case you thought this wasn't going to get real down-home and practical, I've got three ways for you to be extravagant this Christmas. This is real short. For one, invite somebody to church. We've got invite cards that look like tickets so we took a bunch last week. you we come through the door, to the auditorium, we ripped off a stud. Hopefully. If not, you're out of luck here about right, 15 minutes. Why? Because we want to model the extravagance of God. So here in a few minutes, we're going to give away something. Here you go. Be blessed. We're going to do it in our auditorium. We're going to do it in the cafeteria. We're going to do it in the gym. Here you go. God is an extravagant giver. So here you go. You didn't even expect it. You're going to give it to somebody this morning. You can invite somebody to church. You take one of those invite cards. Say, hey, it's Christmas time. I want to be in church. I want to experience the season. Why do you come to church with me? I don't know what to expect. You might Rock out to the end of the Metallica song. You might sing the old holy I don't know, but it'll be fun. do would you come to church with me? And I tell you what, if you come, you'll have a chance to win something. What'd you come? Number two, we have a Christmas offering going on right now. It's called the 1014 Christmas offering. 1014 offering. Mark chapter ten, verse 14. Jesus said, Don't hold the little children back come to me for such as the kingdom of God. We're trying to bless kids this Christmas. Our kids and kids in our community. You can give to that. You can give extravagantly to that. But we don't want to stop there. We want you to volunteer with our partners. In a few minutes we're going to show a video about one of our partners and some of the things you can do out in the Lobby, there's a sign-up sheet for different opportunities. We're partnering with the Food Bank of Southeastern Virginia. They've got more opportunities than you can shake a stick at. Go online, foodbank, uh, foodbankonline.org. Sign up to volunteer. we got opportunities to go to St. Mary's Home for Disabled Children in an assisted living center and do some Christmas care Why? Because we want to be extravagant. We want to model what Jesus Christ was, which was extravagance. We want to give of our time and of our energy and say, here, be blessed. I know it's just a couple of hours, but let's sing some Christmas songs together. We're also going to help out at a Christmas party for the same organization, St. Mary's. And say, "Here it's Christmas. God is an extravagant God. God goes over and above and beyond anything we can imagine." Here's my time. I want to make sure you have a good Christmas party. But can I be honest with you? All of that's kind of meaningless if you don't know Jesus. I was thinking. This week, you know, sometimes you just kind of let your mind wander, and I was listening to a radio program about Thomas Jefferson, and apparently there's a new book out written by this group of scholars about the life of Thomas Jefferson, and they were bringing up things in his life that were shady, mm. you don't know about it, Cool. All, all kinds of things. And I started thinking about that time period of our history. There were things that were acceptable then that we would look at now and unequivocally declare that that is sin. Back then, they didn't. And I thought, God, how does that work as a pastor? Because there are people who died hundred years ago who lived practicing openly what I would condemn as sinful. They said they love you. I'm wrestling with this in the car listening to this program. And God spoke. He said, my grace is sufficient. And I said, God, what do you mean? What does that mean? He says, past, present, in the future that you don't even know about? Sins that you're aware of and things that you're doing now that if I don't come back hundreds of years from now, people will look back on your life and declare what you were doing was sinful. When you are living in me, and I am living in you, my grace covers it all. Past sin, present sin, future sin, sin that you're aware about, and sin that you don't even know. It's amazing. His love is extravagant. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus, the love that John looked around and said, look at what great love he's poured out on us that we would be his children. The love and the amazingness that Paul looked around and said, what are we going to say to this? What's our response? God wants to write down this one, pour that over your life and into your heart, so that you can say with John and with many of us in the auditorium look at what great love he has lavished on us, look at the extravagance that God has poured out on us. And I'm not sure what we'll be like, but I know that every time I see Jesus, I'm a little bit more like him. This morning, my prayer for you is that you would see Jesus. You would see Jesus. I'm to invite you to, right where you're at, just close your eyes. not going to be unlikely there's several of you sitting in an auditorium this morning that you haven't experienced that love sure maybe you've gone to church your whole life but you've been trying to do it on your own you've been trying to work your way to God's love you've been thinking if you check off all the to do lists and check off all the rules and live the right way then you'll be good Right way. Even if you think you're living the right way, you might not be. You need to experience His love, His extravagant, overwhelming, inconceivable love. This morning, first, I want to ask if you're sitting here and you're thinking, either I've given, I've tried before, and it worked thinking It sounds like a good deal. I give him my sin, he gives me his grace. I can make that exchange. I think I, I think that's a win-win situation. God being extravagant. I think this Christmas he's calling me to extravagance in an area of my life. Whether it's giving, whether it's volunteering, he's calling me to extravagance. Whether it's dealing with my family, showing them the love of Christ, witnessing, evangelizing, telling people about Jesus. That's you. You're saying it. I need to see Jesus because I need to be a little bit more extravagant in my passion and worship for him. of your love and we're overwhelmed. Much like John and Paul that just kind of looked at it and said, God, what do we do with this? This is beyond words. It's so marvelous, so lavish,ing so extravagant. this morning that you raise your hand this morning to say I need to experience that love for the first time just pray this with me, Lord I give you my heart, give you my life I want to live for you and experience that love I want to be a child of God I admit that I'm far from you but I believe in you Jesus in our lives today. Living extravagantly for you. Extravagant givers. Extravagant volunteers. Extravagant family members. Extravagant Christmas carolers. Extravagant people who are showing and modeling the extravagant love of God. And Lord, I pray that we we would have it revealed to us by your Holy Spirit a new level and a different understanding, a, a revelation of the extravagant love that you have poured out through Jesus into our lives, that we would be called your children. And that this Christmas would be an X-Factor Christmas because we would see that we are to be extravagant followers of of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's been here with us this morning. Thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you love Jesus this morning, we're going to you. it. You, 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we would love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you would like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.